Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. Well, Merry Christmas to you, everybody. Hope everybody is having a great Christmas week this week as you tune into the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. And, of course, joining me, John Rush out of Denver, Roger Marsh out of Southern California, Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Gentlemen, Merry Christmas to you. Hey, Bob. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, this is, of course, this is, of course, everything Christmas. And, and I know when it's Christmas week, there's a lot of different aspects of Christmas to talk about. And so I thought what we would do for this podcast today is just talk about many of the different aspects of Christmas. We'll have a little bit of fun. We'll talk about some of the heavy and serious things that people go through at Christmas time. We'll talk about the meaning of the season. Jesus really is the reason for the season. And so just a lot of different things to to talk about here. But first, I thought we'd maybe have a, a little bit of fun with this. And let me just throw it out to you guys. First of all, John, what is the Rush household like at Christmas time? I mean, what, what do you guys do? Uh, any kind of fun traditions? I mean, what, how do you guys pretty much handle Christmas in your family? It depends on how many kids show up. We have seven kids total. They're all grown now with, you know, uh, 18 grandkids. So honestly, Bob, it depends on who shows for Christmas. <laughs> and, and what about the uh, what about going overboard with the gifts? Are you one of those kind of, uh, hey, let me spend way too much money than I should have and then get in trouble from my wife and family and everybody else? Or how do you handle that? Uh, I do a few individuals, my wife being one of them, as we talked about in some of the previous podcasts. My wife does all of the, the grandkids and all of that. And let's just say that when there's that many people, that many grandkids, even a couple of gifts per person, which that's minimal, they usually have more than that. Yeah, it gets pretty chaotic. Let's just say that. Yeah, well, I can imagine. And then, Neil, what about you? I mean, what's, what's Christmas for you guys? What's, what's the Boron house like? Actually, Christmas Eve is a little more active than Christmas Day. For some reason, we've always enjoyed getting together on Christmas Eve. I also have three grown children and now three grandchildren, at least to date. And um, yeah, so we get together on Christmas Eve. We usually have some homemade chicken wings, <laughs> um, and I'm famous for making those. But um, we watch a movie together as a family. That's one of our traditions, a different movie every single year. Um, my son, Zach, who works for us here at WDCX, is usually the one who picks that. Uh, if someone happens to be around on, on Christmas morning, and sometimes one of the kids will stay with their family and be with us you know, on Christmas morning, then we always have uh, a coffee cake, kind of a ring coffee cake that my wife makes, and we'll sing Happy Birthday to Jesus and divide it up and start with reading the Christmas story before we get to any presents and stuff like that. And even though the kids are grown, it's sort of a tradition we carry on. And I'm sure as the grandkids get older, our oldest is not even five yet. Uh, you know, maybe they'll start to take over that tradition. But um, that's kind of how Christmas looks in a skeleton yeah. form here in the <laughs> Boron home. No, it sounds kind of. It sounds kind of. By the way, any anybody do fruit cake? I can't imagine that uh, that anybody no. actually. Oh, really that's knows. a hard no. No, <laughs> oh, man, absolutely you know I mean? not. I think there's one petrified fruit cake that just gets circulated among everybody, and somehow enough people have exactly. had it at yes. least once. Agree. Uh, yeah, you know, Neil. I mean, yours actually sounds fairly similar to ours. I mean, we, uh, you know, on Christmas morning, of course, the 
the the kids come over and my oldest son has a couple of kids and so the the grandkids are there and you know I'm getting in trouble from my wife for spending too much money and buying too many gifts and whatever we don't mm-hmm. know what to get the older kids uh, but you know but we have the the big breakfast over there and my wife cooks the eggs and the pancakes and the bacon and everything we got six boys and so uh, you know but first things first of course you know we uh, I read Luke chapter two and uh, we go through the the Christmas story and such and then. Uh, uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, it started ripping open the presents and doing the the typical Christmas thing, I suppose. So, so here's what I'm curious about, Roger. You do the bottom line out of Southern California. What in the world is Christmas like for you? Is it like Santa Claus at Venice Beach Dude. in a tank top? How does this work? Tell us, man. You know, seriously, there are so many different people who will get like the Tommy Bahama shirt or something like that and say, hey, this is what Santa Claus is. We don't have weather issues. We don't go over the river and through the snow. I mean, let's yeah. face it. It's going to be 65 degrees and sunny on uh, Christmas morning. And that's just kind of typically what happens, you know, and, and, and the, the idea that uh, you guys have all these traditions of people coming over to houses and everything. Ours is a lot more commuter friendly. And I also have three grown children. Uh, two of my da- my two daughters are married. And so I'm a grandfather of one. We're in the process right now of trying to navigate how do we hang on to some of the Marsh family traditions that the kids had growing up. And now as we've got in-laws and hopefully not outlaws, you know, to celebrate at Christmas, too. Uh-huh. Who goes where? Who does what? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm throwing a, a kind of yep. an extra log of the fire here, too. I'm getting married next week. And so that's mm-hmm. going to add another layer of tradition with yep. uh, Lisa's three yep. children, too. So we're, we're kind of in transit right now. So I'm taking copious notes as to yeah, how and, you guys handle the Well, and, you know, Roger, you bring, you bring a great point up. And, Bob, I think it's something that, you know, maybe a lot of other listeners out there have experienced is the kids grow up and they leave. Because a lot of what you just said a moment ago for us are things we did when everyone was still at home, had breakfast, you know, kids open presents. We, you know, read the, the story from Luke 2. I mean, all those things that you're talking about, we did when all the kids were actually at home. But now that they're scattered, you know, literally coast to coast and come home, you know, some come home, some don't. It really just varies from year to year. It really gets harder to have some of those hard, fast family traditions when your family starts to, you know, grow up and, and move away and things change. Yeah, that's yeah. A, such a great point because we're very blessed in this area. Of our six boys, we got three at home and three that are moved out. And but but they all live in Metro Detroit. They all live in the area, so therefore everybody's able to pretty much come over. So that's nice. But you know, there's a lot of people that you know their their kids are scattered around the country, and you know, it's really difficult. And it's like, oh, they're going to be able to fly in this year or not? And so it, it's. It's great if you can get the whole family together, but sometimes it's just it's not practical, you know. So it's difficult for people I know. Uh, Roger, I am still curious though. I got to pick on you, Southern California guys. <laughs> what does it look like out there though? I mean, do people put big inflatable Santa Clauses and snowmen on their front yard? Do they actually? Put Christmas lights. Does anybody Griswold up the house when it's sixty-five degrees? I mean, <laughs> oh, I, I, I love that. As a matter of fact, we have uh, uh, Lisa and I will be you know married in a week, and we're we'll be establishing residence in in her neighborhood. And there is are two Griswold houses literally down the street. And one guy does something at Halloween, and then the day after Halloween, he takes it all down and goes full Griswold for Christmas. And with the city of Corona, where the, we're going to be living, um, they actually have a deal with the city where they run what they call a quote unquote sleigh ride through the neighborhood. And it says golf cart with a couple of you know 
trailers mm. on the back of it. But mm-hmm. they get a couple of days every Christmas season where they deck it all out in lights and the guy dresses up in a Santa Claus hat and they drive up and down the road, which cool. you can do, of course, in <laughs> 65 cool. degree weather, right? <laughs> it's kind of fun, but you can tell that they're kind of playing off of the fact that a, an actual sleigh ride where you know Neil is or where Bob is or, or John, you guys get the weather and you can do it. We have to improvise a little mm-hmm. bit. But, well, but there are we do too sometimes. But, yeah, well, but there are to your, answer your question, Bob. There are more homes than you might think in the area who really do nice Christmas decorations where they're celebrating the birth of Christ and maybe having a Christmas tree in Santa or something like that. It's not right. just completely secularized like you see in the uh, in the in the media so often. Now I I know we're going to be talking about some really hot and heavy stuff. And so, but before we get into that, let's just stay in the shallow end of the pool a little bit. We mentioned the Griswolds here. I, yep. I have to admit, and I know this isn't exactly the most Christian friendly thing to say, but uh, the Chevy Chase Christmas Vacation has got to be one of my all time favorite. It is one Christmas of the best movies. Amen. Amen. Uh, that yes. is, yes. which by the way, I got to tell you guys, you, you'll appreciate this <laughs> at, at our house. Every year we have a big annual Christmas party and we like 50, 60 people at the house doing this. And some years what we'll do is have everybody dress up as their favorite Christmas movie character. That's hilarious. And I've done... I've done Clark Griswold a couple of times. Uh, one time I had the, the the shirt and the tie and the sweater and actually had a fake squirrel stuck on the back of the That's hilarious. sweater for the whole thing. <laughs> That's uh, good. One, uh, one year I've got a Scrooge outfit. Great Ebenezer Scrooge outfit. So, so did that one year with the gray long hair coming down and just, you know, the whole bit, right? But, uh, uh, but one year, one year... I decided to, and this is really going to be inside baseball, so you're going to have to know the movie for this. But remember the scene when Cousin Eddie was in the yep. bathrobe, standing out, emptying yes. the sewer th- thing. Yes. Into, and you, you hear the, 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 the bubble, 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 right? Okay. He's like, <laughs> yep. So I did. I went to Salvation Army. I got myself a ratty looking bathrobe that was way too short uh, to show off my neon (laughs) legs. That's hilarious. Uh, Please send pictures. Black dress dress shoes, black dress socks. Uh, I got the exact same hat had the, the, the sides of it curled up. I got a big cigar. Uh, I had a uh, Meister brow, okay, in my hand. And I even got a long brown tube to serve as the, That's the hilarious. waste tube. And uh, But nobody could get past the fact that, Bob, we do not want to see a foot and a half above your knees. We just don't want to <laughs> see that. So it was, And then we have contests and who can... Uh, but you know what? Let's do this because I, I do want to still have a little bit more fun. We've got to take a short break, but uh, let's have just a little bit more fun. Let's talk about Christmas movies, maybe everybody's favorite Christmas movie. Let's play skeptics here a little bit, I suppose, on what's the good one, what's the overrated ones or whatever. And then uh, just kind of want to lighten our palates up a little bit because I know we're going to be getting into some pretty tough and serious discussions about Christmas as well. So we're going to continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast uh, right after this break. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth for Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthfullife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truth for Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. 
And we're back to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, John Rush out of Denver, Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York, uh, Roger Marsh out of the non-Christmas friendly 65 degree balmy Southern (laughs) California. Uh, And uh, we're having a little bit of fun right now with Christmas before we get into some more serious aspects of uh, this season. But I was mentioning the uh, Griswold family Christmas and Christmas Vacation, one of my all-time uh, favorite movies. It is a classic, which, by the way, we even have the moose uh, eggnog glasses in the home for this that, uh, that, that Clark mm. and Eddie drank out of. But I'm thinking this movie, I'm thinking Scrooged with Bill Murray, uh, for me, uh, Elf, of course, and then the classics, the Ebenezer Scrooge movies, and, uh, and It's a Wonderful Life, of course. Christmas Story, I don't get it. I'm sorry, I just don't get it. The little Ralphie, you'll poke your eye out. Everybody says this movie is hilarious. I've never laughed once watching this movie. I've never even broken a Mona Lisa smile. So, guys, help me with this. Uh, Roger, let me start with you. Christmas movies, what works, what doesn't? Uh, in our family, Christmas Story works. I mean, the kids like what? it. What? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't get it either, but I watch it with them. Okay? Right. It's a family thing. I really don't. I mean, that whole award thing with the lamp, but I just I don't get it. But the leg it lamp. Is kinda, yeah, the leg lamp. But it is kind of funny, though, when he goes Argo on that one bully in the, the bully scene. Anyway, um, yeah. for us, our, our, ours are Christmas vacation. Of course, it's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. The Scrooge story has to be the Disney one. The one with uh, Mickey is Bob Cratchit and all that stuff. The animated one. The kids really? like that when they were little. Yeah, they love that movie. That's and the best it's one. A, okay, and it's a, and it's a Wonderful Life. That's, oh yeah. Uh, that became that that happened later in my daughter's uh, teen and young adult years. She just said, "Everyone talks about this movie. We've never watched it. We watched it, and now it's a staple. We will come from points far and wide in Southern California. I have one daughter in L.A., a son here in Northern Orange County, and my other daughters in Southern Orange County. Which this time of year is a bit difficult to navigate traffic-wise. And we'll all get together and we'll watch it. It's just it's a it's a lot of fun as far as the movies go. But those are the ones for the Marsh household that we uh, that we hold dear. Yeah. Which, by the way, the big fragile box, I'm still trying to figure out who's the genius that uh, doesn't know how to streamline packaging that they ship that thing <laughs> in a box that big and whatever. But uh, what are you going to do? Uh, Neil, what do you think? What works, what doesn't work as far as Christmas movies go? Just a couple of comments here. Um, it's a wonderful life. I've yeah. never actually watched the entire movie. I've seen Me it. Me neither. Really? What, seriously? Okay. No. So I'm not the only guy? Wait, you're not Who the only guy. Who hasn't seen that time for being in Southern California? Come on, guys. you got to watch that. At least <laughs> nope, once. never At seen it. Once. Oh, well, no, but what is a Bell's house? How can you not see that whole movie? All right. Never have. Well, I've attempted a couple times and fell asleep, um, but yep. it's, you know it's always on at Christmas time. So All I've right. watched major portions of it. I've just never sat and watched the whole thing, and maybe at some point I need to. So i got to say that one's not my favorite because I've – I don't fully grasp it. Um, what else? You mentioned Elf. We've seen that a few times, and I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm I'm a fan of Miracle on 34th Street, the the more recent okay. edition, not the original. Um, love that movie. And then I can't think of the name of it. What's the one where the guy lights up his house and you can see it from outer space? Uh, that's about, Christmas Vacation. That's Christmas Vacation. No, no, no. There's another one. There's a, uh, what? I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah. Who's I'm, in it? Any, can you think of any stars? No, you know, I'm the guy, like, when I watch movies, they're in one 
ear and out the other. You know, like I, I, I watch them for entertainment value. I'm not the kind of guy who knows all the actors and actresses and all that kind of stuff. I love watching movies, but I usually fall asleep during them <laughs> yeah. just because they're so relaxing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna try to find out what the name of the movie was where the guy you know lights up his house to the extent you can see it from outer space. But yeah, it's not. What are you calling it? You're saying it's Christmas vacation. Christmas vacation. It well, is. No, yeah. that's that's. I don't know. Well, they got to they, they got to do the field. nuclear yeah. auxiliary power thing to try that's right. to you know compensate and whatever. But that's right. All right. Unless there's another movie I'm thinking of. I don't, I don't even know. So uh, uh, I'm right. going to ask my son here, Zach, man. He'll come in in a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in at some point. I'll tell you what it is. Okay. Sounds good. And then, uh, John, clear this up for us. What, what are the best Christmas movies and what ones are maybe way, way overrated? All right. So I'm like Neil. I've never seen the movie that he was talking about a moment ago. All right. I've also never seen Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. So I've never seen the two movies that most everybody says is a staple at Christmas time. I'm more of the Christmas Vacation, Elf, Christmas with the Cranks. I love the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. I mean, all of them are, are really. I just think they're. He does such a great job. They're just, yeah. uh, uh, just fun movies to watch. Um, I, I, but I am like Neil in this. I, I'm not one of these guys that knows every single actor. I mean, I know some of the more popular ones, but I don't watch the movie in, in that way. I'm more of an, you know, just want to watch it. I'm looking for entertainment and, and a lot of them will go in one ear and, and out the other. But uh, I am a guy that will pretty much watch anything as long as it's funny. And I'm kind of with you, Bob, on, on the Christmas story. Parts of it are somewhat funny, not somewhat funny. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of slack. You know, it's kind of that old humor from way back when. And, you know, I can either watch it or not. It's not a big deal. But typically, it's on all day long on Christmas. Yeah. Uh, right. I got it. It's Deck the Halls with Danny DeVito and Matthew Broderick. Deck the Halls. Oh, Deck, okay. Deck the Halls, yeah. Wow, i never it. even seen that. Me neither. John, you, John I would have picked you, you as the Die Hard guy as far as Christmas. Goes. <laughs> yeah, die Hard a yeah, Christmas yeah, movie good. or That's, not? Are we going to have that too. debate? It is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Bob, if you watch Deck the Halls, I'll watch It's a Wonderful Life. How about that? We make a deal. I'll provide the popcorn. Let's do this. No, there, there we go. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, obviously, there's a lot of uh, there's a ro- lot of really you know fun things to to look at regarding Christmas, and you know I I know guys that there's people listening to us right now that are saying you know what I'm just I, I'm having a hard time this Christmas. I'm having a hard time laughing. I'm having a hard time finding joy in this. I mean, we know Jesus is the reason for the season. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, there's people going through stress, there's anxiety that people feel, uh, there's the financial burden of this, there's uh, the dysfunctional families and dealing with getting together with the families and such. And Neil, let me kind of toss it over to to you here for a moment. What, uh, how do we, how do we kind of process some of the difficulties that come with with Christmas too. We'll get into some more serious things like people that have experienced tragedies and such, but uh, short of that, you still have people that that are, you know, I mean, they'll, they'll battle. They'll battle with the stress and the anxiety, and they see Christmas and the holiday season as just a time of stress, financial stress, family stress, and they're just almost glad when it's when it's over. I, I'm going to turn you into a psychologist now. How do how do we turn that around? to try to focus on the positive and not get more down in, in the negative. And I know we got a break coming up too, but just kind of wanted to get your take on that. Yeah. I, um, I don't know if there's a perfect answer for sure. I think it's kind of almost, you know, situation by situation, individual by individual. 
But I think maybe one thing that helps me and maybe more recently as opposed to in the you know earlier years, because I think when our kids were little, it was more about you know getting toys and putting them together and all of the Christmas stuff. And you get wrapped up in the commercialism of Christmas. And I think just about anybody who's ever celebrated Christmas has at one time or another experienced some of the pull that the world offers towards Christmas as opposed to what it's actually about. But, you know, when we get back to the basics, and it's easier to do that when, you know, when the kids are out of the house and you can slow down a bit and realize, you know, what Christmas is supposed to be about, that you start to look at the fact that God, I don't want to over-spiritualize at this point because I know we're going to get into some of this, but, you know, that, that God came to earth to, to live among us and, of course, ultimately gave his life for us, and that is the ultimate meaning of Christmas, but it's about—the point being that it's about relationship and that if we're going to experience— Anything that God desired with regard to, you know, our lives and our, you know, experience here on planet Earth, it has to do with relationships. So the idea of, of simplifying, scaling down, getting back to the basics, spending time together, I think, is a very positive way for us to, you know, begin to experience Christmas in a healthier fashion and, and then tr- translate some of that into the lives of people that maybe are struggling themselves because we all need to be loved. Uh, it, I know there's more to talk about, but let's take a break because, uh, you know, Christmas is a big topic. <laughs> we can't cover it in just a few minutes. So we'll continue to dig in in just a moment as we continue here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford broadcasting station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener-supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Back again here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Thanks for being a part of this with us and listening in on our conversation about Christmas. Uh, Bob, John, and uh, Roger, I don't know if I even began to address the issue of you know how we deal with the bigger aspects of what Christmas is about, but to me, relationship matters, and I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I think it's got to be central in our celebration of Christmas. Yeah. What, what do you guys think? Roger, what's, what's your take on the, the relationship aspect of this? Well, it is, it's difficult because, especially I'll throw out the California version of this, when you consider what happens here in, in Southern California, there are so many big shopping malls, you know, everybody's got nice cars and houses or so it would appear. And when it comes to relationship, the question then is, well, what am I going to get so-and-so that shows them that I love them, you know, whoever it is. And and there's a lot of stress that you can just see it when you're walking through stores, when you're getting mm-hmm. cut off by somebody on the road, you can feel the tension of I've got to put out, I've got to produce or else it's not going to be meaningful. There's the other side of it too, where people are thinking, hey, if they really, you know, Gary Chapman's five love languages all become the giving of gifts on December 25th, mm. right? You know, no one really right. cares so much about spending quality time as long as you get the good stuff or as long as you get to see everyone. We talked about the new family traditions and my oldest daughter is, uh, she and her husband have a, our grandson and uh, he's got a big extended family. She doesn't have quite as big a one. But they go through this big stress every year of how do we buy enough gifts for everybody? We want to do Secret Santa and nobody else wants to. Uh, Brian's sister has six children, you know, and that's one of his three siblings. So they've got a lot of pressure on them. How do we get to see everybody after a while? You know, they start talking about saying, man, you know, maybe a Mexican vacation sounds good at Christmas time. You know, maybe <laughs> just and, and I, I know it's not that they have a deep desire to go to Mexico. 
they want to put the stress behind them and say, how do we as a family keep Jesus first? How do we keep, you know, relationships first? How do we stay away from the stress? So it, it even in a relatively laid back area like Southern California, you could still feel a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And John, I wonder what it's like for you in Colorado. Yeah, I mean, guys, the same thing can happen with us here. And, and, and my heart goes out to those people that, you know, really feel the stress of any holiday as that's not the intention of what those holidays are for, especially Christmas. And, you know, I think it's at times if, if, if my suggestion to folks is if it's that stressful, I think you need to take a step back and figure out what's causing all of the stress. And, and you guys know me, I'm kind of an analytical kind of a, you know, let's go get this done kind of a guy. So I would one that would, to be, would, that would say, you know, let's find out exactly what's causing the stress and deal with that. And if some things need to change inside of your own family to make some of that stress go away, then by all means, you need to do that because this needs to be a time of year of celebration and joy and fun and, and love and laughter and all of that. And it definitely doesn't need to be a stressful time of the year for anyone. Well, yeah, Can I jump doesn't. into, because yeah. you guys are sparking thought in my, in my brain here, but, but you know, when we read about the story of Mary and Martha in scripture, of course, and Martha was busy with all the details. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, having relationship with him, you know, in sense that um, she was experiencing him and having conversation, and, and Martha was missing some of that. And when Jesus refers to that whole thing, he says, Mary chose what was better. It's like there are all kinds of choices, and it, it, Christmas can be about gift-giving and all that stuff, but if you really boil it down, the gift God gave to us wasn't a commodity or some, you know, material item. It was a person. It was Jesus. He gave himself to us at Christmas time is what he did. So I don't know how that translates. And again, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize, but we often say, I've grown up saying, well, the reason we give gifts at Christmas is because love is about giving. God so loved the world that he gave us his son. But the truth is the gift he gave was a person. And if we can somehow incorporate relationship into whatever we're doing, you know, kind of strip through all of the other stuff and the stress and all the expectations that go along with Christmas and make it about relationship, then I think we're choosing what's better. I mean, in right. the words of Jesus, that's not me, that's Jesus. Well, Neil, can I jump in here real quickly? The thing, yeah. I love that illustration because of the fact that you've got Mary and Martha. We Oftentimes we pit them against each other. But that, that key word, though, is when Jesus said, uh, Mar Mary has chosen what is better. It's not that what Martha was doing was wrong and inappropriate. It's just right. that in that moment, what Mary was doing was better. And I think that's a big source of stress for a lot of people, is there are a lot of good choices, and we have to constantly be looking for the better or the best choice instead of, and, and not punish ourselves for not doing something that's right and say, well, that's good, but, but let's make sure we take the most excellent way the way that Jesus would have us celebrate Christmas. Right. And, you know, and, and to it, think that you live in Southern California and were able to say that, that's incredible to me. <laughs> Mind-blowing, isn't it? Mind-blowing. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was good. Every, Roger, every time I hear you speak, all I can think of is the Beach Boys saying, surf and surf and Santa, you know, and it's just like, oh. <laughs> Hey, Little St. Nick is one of my all-time favorite Christmas songs, I'm not going to lie. Bob, don't sing and don't show us your knees, please. I know. Hey, you know what? We, 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 we <laughs> need to be <laughs> Skyping <laughs> this <laughs> thing, <laughs> man. <laughs> show you guys my Eddie outfit. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want to picture that. But you guys yeah. are, uh, I know your Christmas gift would be blindness then. That's, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> Everybody wants an ice pick now for their eyes. Uh, <laughs> no, but there's such, there's such important points, though, that you guys make about the relationship and recognizing, of course, uh, the, the, the Jesus factor in this, which we're going to be getting into in a little bit more detail later on in this, uh, in this podcast. But coming up next at the, in the second half of the podcast, I do want to talk about 
those families who they're not just dealing with stress and anxiety and all the normal problems and looking at the negative instead of the positive. They're going through some real difficulties in their life. You know, the estranged children who aren't there, or the estranged parents or family, or maybe total and complete devastation. They, they, they financially are destroyed and they've lost their home or you know, somebody's lost a loved one, and they're dealing with Christmas without their loved one. These are some pretty heavy issues, and we're going to dive into some of those uh, next and how we can handle stuff like that as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And listen, everybody, you can you can listen to and tune into the second half of this podcast and all of the National Crawford Roundtable podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. You can also go online to CrawfordBroadcasting.com. And by the way, I wouldn't mind asking you folks uh, on Apple Podcasts, why not consider rating us? Okay, rate the podcast. We'd love you to do that. Give us five stars. Okay, uh, if you well, be honest. Okay, hopefully it's a five-star rating that you really genuinely give us. But anyway, we're going to continue the second half of this podcast next. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John Rush out of Denver, Rush to Reason, Roger Marsh out of Southern California, the Christmas-friendly, balmy Southern California, where he hosts The Bottom Line, uh, Neil oh, Boron Barbara. out of Buffalo, New York, Neil Boron Live, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, uh, where three of the four of us actually have Christmas weather. Uh, hey. Anyway, hey, guys, hey. we... <laughs> I know. Stop the hate. Stop the hate. Uh, you know, we, we've we've had some fun. We've talked about some lighthearted moments here, but uh, in dealing with Christmas, there are there are people, there are families that are going through really difficult, horrendous times. And you know, one of the things I've been very open about this when when my wife and I, when we lost our our, our daughter, our only daughter, when she died at age seventeen, uh, and it just suddenly by surprise. I'll be honest with you, those first couple of Christmases, guys, were just brutal because she was our oldest child. She was our firstborn. She was the only daughter. And now we're shopping for the boys, but we are constantly seeing all the gifts that we would be buying for Colleen. It's like, oh, she would want this. She would want this. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was so Difficult, and then it's Christmas morning, and people opening presents, and you know our daughter is not there, and so I can, you know, I, I really got a heart for people that are going through that empty seat at the table on Christmas morning because it is really, really hard, especially if you lose a child. But but I mean, there's other things too, I mean, a spouse, parent, and such. Uh, but this is a really difficult time, and I kind of want to throw it around the table here and, and get some of you guys' thoughts and reflections on people that are going through just horrific grief and pain for whatever their loss is during the time of Christmas, and, and maybe some ideas or some suggestions that that anybody might have to, to toss out or just throw it out to the to table, anybody that wants to chime in. Well, can I just ask a question, Bob? And I'm sure. It hurts to hear you talk about losing your daughter because because I have kids. I haven't, thank God, I still have my three children that God gave to us, but um, I would be interested to know how you coped with it. And I, I'm sure that we have other things to talk about because sure. in some way all of us have experienced loss and heartache in some fashion, and I know we'll have other things to chime in, but you just dropped a bomb of sorts, and I'd love to 
hear you unpack that just a well, little bit as to how sure. you began to really address it. Sure. I, uh, you know, I, I tend to... I, I tend to look at things, you know, John was talking about this earlier, more logical, analytical, factual, here's what the truth is, uh, that type of thing. And, you know, when she died, this this just came out of the blue. We just didn't, you know, as I've mentioned before, it was just the middle of a conversation we were having. Her last words were, Dad, I feel dizzy when she fell into my arms. Her heart just stopped beating. And so this hits you so much out of the blue and we were super close. I mean, daddy's little girl, I mean, the whole bit. And so uh, this just completely ripped my heart out. But I also know uh, what I believe God's called me more than anything else to be is an apologist and putting First Peter 3.15 into practice. And so my thing as an apologist is defending the faith and trying to strengthen people's faith in Christ and using facts and evidence to to back up what we believe. And so, so my strong desire is to uh, keep people from sliding away from the faith. And I remember when when she died, when we were at the hospital, and they gave up on her, and, and I went out to the waiting room to inform everybody that, that she had died because they, they were all the waiting room packed with people. I just remember how many times I've seen people walk away from the Lord in times of, of tragedy and confusion. And I remember when I informed everybody, and it was just a packed waiting room with I don't know how many people that had flooded the hospital because they heard she fainted and was taken to the hospital. But when they were all crying and wailing, I remember telling everybody, everybody be quiet. I need to get something off my chest. And I said, listen, Jesus Christ was Lord yesterday. He's still Lord today. Can we all agree on that? And they said, mm-hmm. yes. And I said, okay, That's let's it. figure out how to, how to get through this. Uh, I went back to, to get my wife, who was in the, the room with, with Colleen, and, uh, and she was in there. She was whispering, and, and I listened to what she was whispering, and she was whispering Scripture, and she was whispering out of Job. She said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Mm-hmm. And, and so our focus has been let's, let's number one, make sure that we respond by drawing closer to the Lord and not allowing ourselves to be pulled away. And so that was something that we handled not just with our boys, but with everyone else around us and myself even on my show when I went back on the air. I remember the first thing I said my first day back was, just so you know, uh, Satan does not get a victory here. I am more determined than ever to proclaim my faith in Jesus Christ and give you the evidence to show that he is true, and this is an opportunity to trust in God's sovereignty. This is where we find out what we're really made of. Are we really Christians who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, or are we really worshiping ourselves and our own life, and we merely see God as our heavenly vending machine to give us what we want? Which is it? And so for us at Christmas time, while this is super painful, of course, and those first couple of Christmases were really bad, for me and for my wife, there was a sense of let's, let's choose to look at this and think on this the way that we know that we should even though our emotions uh, aren't feeling that way. So while what we feel like is total despair and, God, how can you let this happen? And I don't understand. I'm so confused. Uh, 
we know that the right way to look at this is, Lord, we trust you. We trust in your sovereignty. Our lives belong to you. Our daughter belonged to you. She wasn't ours, okay? She's not your grandchild, God. She is your child. And uh, and so we are temporary stewards of her. And we chose to remind ourselves that we need to be thankful that she's in heaven. And as I've often said, all she really did was beat us to the party. That's all she really did. And so for me and for my wife, it's been a sense of, yes, let's grieve, let's cry, let's go through the pain. You know, I would pull her clothing out and just smell her clothing and cry laying on her bed, you know, laying on her bed and just crying, you know. And so that that's a normal thing. And I think people need to experience those emotions, not suppress them, talk about the loved one who's been lost, don't have one of those, oh, we don't want to bring it up. No, talk about it. Talk about it openly. Cry. Be vulnerable. Be open with the Lord. Be open with your friends. And I think if you do that while reminding yourself through the whole time, our faith is in Jesus Christ and our life belongs to him, not to ourselves. Anybody can say praise the Lord on the day you get a raise, but it takes effort to say praise the Lord on the day you get fired. And it's that effort that we need to apply to go against the grain of many times where our emotions will tend to take us. And so honestly, Neil, I know it's kind of a long answer to your question, but it's a slow, methodical process of crucifying the flesh and going against the grain to think on what you know is true in contrast to the negative emotions that you feel. And you just press forward day after day after day, and you make it a point to praise the Lord in the midst of all of this. And, you know, something, it's a slow, gradual process, but eventually the sun does shine again, and you come out on the other end of it. And and that's kind of the process that that we took as working our way through this. Thank you for sharing that. How powerful and encouraging all at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. well I think... You've made me laugh today, and you made me cry twice. <laughs> Once when you were telling that story, and the other time when you were talking about wearing that short bathrobe. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's, of all oh the pain, <laughs> of all the pain to experience, that's got to be the worst. <laughs> so, yeah, wow, Bob, it. thank you. That's just amazing. That's unbelievable. What no, I, 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 no, I appreciate that. I, I do. Uh, and, you know, so, but which brings us to, which brings us to what the real meaning of this season is. And and I know we got to take a short break. And Roger, I want to toss this over to you and maybe get some of your thoughts on on people that are dealing with with pain. And in dealing with the pain, ultimately, the best thing that we can do is turn this to the Lord and make a conscious decision to trust in him. Uh, And it's just, it's always been my my sense. And I want to give you a chance, Roger, to respond on this before we go into the break. that I said the thing about anybody can say praise the Lord on the day you get a raise, but how many say praise the Lord on the day you get fired? Well, if you take your child to Disneyland and your child says, oh, thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. You're a great mom. Great dad. I really love you. That's nice to hear that from them at Disneyland. But when you deny your child something that for them at that moment seems like the whole world, uh, how much would it bless us as parents? For our child to say to us at that moment, I'm really upset with you. I don't understand. This doesn't seem fair. Uh, I don't understand. But you are my mom. You are my dad. I love you. And that will never change. 
How much would it bless us to hear that from our child through their tears at a moment of confusion with us? How much does it bless our Heavenly Father when we're going through the worst pain and confusion in our lives to say, God, I don't understand, but you are my Heavenly Father, and I love you, and that will never change. But we can't be in a position to show that to the Lord unless he allows us to experience some of the horrible pain that's part of this fallen world. And then that gives us an opportunity to show the Lord that, hey, I really do worship you because of who you are, not because I what I can get from you. And and Roger, your thoughts on that? I know we got to go into a break too. Yeah. Well, I, I, first, I, I want to acknowledge everything everyone said in terms of the dealing with the pain and how you really do meet Jesus on a whole different level. Uh, when you realize that he is the Lord of your pain as, lo- as well as the Lord of your praise. And the praise actually comes, I think, more genuinely from those seasons of brokenness. And so it, it's never fun to have to, uh, uh, you know, have to walk through that season. And, and I'm gonna, we'll take a break. And on the other side of it, Bob, I want to uh, thank you for something that you shared with me a long time ago that you probably don't even remember, but uh, about this very issue and how that's really helped me in my ministry, too. But I want to share it as an encouragement for those who are going through a tough time right now. And, uh, and help you to realize that uh, maybe if this is your first season away from someone, maybe there's been a loss, loss of job, loss of home, loss of someone in your family, and you're facing Christmas for the first time without that person, or without that thing in your life, that this may be the year that God is going to bring you into a deeper relationship with him. And you can praise him in the middle of the brokenness as well as in the middle of the blessing. Uh, We'll take a quick break and come back with more here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. Michael Youssef leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Youssef. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable. I'm Roger Marsh along with Bob Duco, Neil Boron, and John Rush. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the fact that there are so many people who are dealing with pain and and depression, especially uh, during the Christmas holiday season. And I know at our congregation, we've got a lot of senior citizens who worship with us. And so every year, it seems like we're doing way more weddings than uh, funerals, way more funerals than weddings or baptisms. And, And so there's always somebody who's having what we call a first season where it's the first Thanksgiving without their husband, the first Christmas without their wife, whatever. And we tried very hard to be sensitive to, you know, what, what people are going through instead of just saying, Merry Christmas, I'm glad you're at church. You know, they, they may be, it may have taken everything that they had to get up and get ready. And now they're sitting there remembering 50 Christmases with their spouse. And now this is the first one without them. Uh, Bob, when we first started the Bottom Line Show uh, a little over eight years ago, Mr. Crawford had uh, my partner on the program at the time, Dave Household, and we fly to Detroit. Oh, sure. We yeah. spent a couple of days with you and Frank. Do you remember we were we, you, we had an exchange on the air? We were talking about vaccinations of kids or something like that, and I made an offhanded comment to you about your kids not having lost one or whatever. And we went to dinner afterwards, and you very lovingly and graciously shared with me Colleen's story. And I was horrified that I said something so insensitive to you, but you know, you said, "Hey, you didn't know." But I, I carried with me from this day, uh, to this day, from that moment on, how gracious you were, how much strength you had, and yet I could see in your eyes how it was still so very real for you, that pain. And and you really modeled for me what it was like to be gracious and compassionate to people who didn't understand, but the fact that you'd walk through that crucible 
and I haven't yet. My kids are all here, you know, and and uh, I I have those great memories with them. And I just wanted to thank you for that because that's helped me a lot, so much in my ministry. For you know, so I just, I think of you whenever I'm in a situation where someone's going through a a tough time and say, boy, I remember you know how God has brought Bob through it and continues to do it, but how you don't shy away from that. You just you're, you 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 share that with people, and no. and I think that that. That, that helps build relationship, especially during this time. So, so thank you, Bob. I no, appreciate, I, Bob, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Roger. Thank you so much. And I, I want to get John in here too, uh, John Rush. Uh, John, what I mean, what are some of your thoughts on on people that are going through horrific pain during the holiday season, during Christmas, and and what maybe the rest of us can do that are around those people to encourage them and, and steer them basically toward turning into the Lord instead of turning away. And and I'll be the first to admit, guys, that, you know, first of all, everything you guys said, just so great. And I'm like, Neil, you know, Bob, the things that you said and, you know, tears running down my, my cheeks a few minutes ago listening to your story, because I've never, ever had to experience anything even remotely close to what you've been through and whatever other people have been through. But the thing that I think I continue to read and, and try to absorb as much as I possibly can you know, in my life, because I, I'm, I am a very matter-of-fact, factual, let's-go-get-it-done kind of a guy. And right. the things that I've read and the things that I know when people are hurting is, you know, they don't want to hear what you think the answer should be. They, they don't want to hear all of you telling them what they need to be doing next. Really, what they need to hear is, you know what, I'm here. If you want to talk, I'll listen, and I'll leave it at that. I mean, I think at times we try to fix other people's problems for them, and the reality is there's only one you know, being that can do it, that's God himself. And we just have to be here to help and listen and support in whatever way we can. Yeah, that's such a great point. You know, and one of the things that that we got to remember through all of this is that this really, truly is about God. And right. do our lives belong to us? You know, what is, what is the purpose of life? Is the purpose of life for us to be happy and and to get everything that we want and it's God's job to facilitate this no it's about him he created us to worship him to glorify right. him to right. exalt him and right. he loves well us so much that he's prepared yeah. uh, a place for us in all of eternity where we'll have no pain That's right. uh, and so this is this is something that we need to remember uh, and it just it takes conscious effort to do this yeah, well said uh, you know, and, you know, I want to add one thing to that too yeah, real please. quick, Bob, and I, I, I know we need to take a break, so guys, let's do that real fast. We'll take our last break. You are listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org. And be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. All right, we're back. National Crawford Roundtable, myself, Bob, Neil, and Roger. And, you know, I just want to add one thing, Bob. I mean, we, we, not to make light of anybody's situation when it comes to, you know, the loss of life and things like that and the memories that happen around Christmas and so on. But, you know, we, we as Christians, even at times, we talk about the separation that happened on the cross between, you know, Christ and his father. And, and we talk about the grief and the anguish and the 
things that Christ went through, which he did. He was human and God all in one, and he had those same emotions that we have. But you know, the one thing that I rarely ever hear anyone ever talk about, including those that are in the, in the, in the, in the pulpit, is the separation God had to have felt from having his only son die and hang on that tree and have that same separation with his son, which right. we never talk about that side of it and the anguish that God himself had to have felt at that time. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's let's talk about that. I mean, and Neil, we got to remember at Christmas time, Jesus is not, you know, the babe in the manger. I mean, I know that's what we tend to focus on here, but this mm-hmm. is God uh, recon- uh, revealing his plan for reconciling man back unto him after what happened in the Garden of Eden. And so uh, here's God deciding, I'm going to come to earth as the Son of God and offer my life as a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, uh, for the sins of, of mankind so that so that we can be reconciled back unto God and gain entrance into heaven. I mean, this is God giving the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus didn't come to earth to be a cute babe in a manger so we could have nativity scenes, which I support. I think they're great. But ultimately, this is about what Jesus came to earth to do and what he did on the cross and what he's prepared for us. That, that, that's the significance of him coming to earth and taking on human flesh. I don't know why I'm going to go down this road for a second, but there was a, in the 1970s, uh, my dad lost his job. He was a tool and die draftsman, and all the affiliated industries that worked together with the steel industry were affected in western New York State because of the closing of Bethlehem Steel when like 50,000 people lost their jobs in a single day. So there was a couple of years where we had almost nothing as a family, and I may have even referred to the story on one of the previous podcasts. I don't remember because I've told it before on the air here in Buffalo. But, uh, you know, that year we had, it was the end of really the second year of having nothing. And we didn't have money to buy a Christmas tree. We didn't have money to buy presents. There was, there was literally nothing. And um, I, we went out one, we were driving around, we just got in the car and we went for a ride to look at Christmas lights in neighborhoods. And as we passed a, a nursery, you know, like where they uh, sell plants and trees and stuff, it happened to be on a side street near our home, uh, there was a guy closing down, you know, for the season because it was Christmas Eve and it was like eight o'clock at night. And we pulled into the parking lot and my dad asked him how much are our trees. And we wondered if they were maybe just a few dollars. And he said, you haven't gotten a tree yet? He said, no, we haven't been able to get one. He said, here, I want to give you one. He gave us a tree. We brought it home. And when we got back home, someone from church had delivered presents to the house. And I'm going to start crying here in just a second because, you know, because God provided for us that year. And what was interesting, the only reason I tell the story isn't because we got presents or got a tree. It was that I came to learn at a very, I was about eight years old, maybe nine when that happened. I remember thinking, God knows about me, and he cares about us, and he gets personally involved in our lives. It was my first real encounter with understanding God as provider. And so here we have this loving Heavenly Father who sent his only son to, to, to be born in this manger, and you're right. It's not about the twinkling stars and the little snowflakes falling and the camel nearby and this beautiful babe in a manger. It's about that he was coming to die a horrible death for us, and... Um, you know, even thinking about Philippians 4, I don't know why that comes to mind, but, you know, it's the passage that talks about not being anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God. And then what happens is we get peace, the peace of God 
that passes all understanding guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And sometimes we stop with that and we go, well, that's great, because that's what I needed. I needed some peace in that moment. Uh, But if you keep reading a little further down, I think it's somewhere around verse 9 or something, it concludes with saying, and the God of peace will be with you. He actually shows up himself. He doesn't just give us peace like it's a commodity. He shows up in person. And the idea that God showed up in person on this planet for me, the idea that he came to rescue me from my sin, and not only bore my sin, but the Bible says he became sin for me and for you and for all of us. You know, the idea that, that he allowed himself to be, to be shamed in that way and despised and rejected of men, uh, mm. to suffer that kind of pain, is what an unbelievable concept, what an un- incredible demonstration of unconditional love. And I don't remember why I started down this road except to say that I know that there's a God who loves me and all of us, and he gets personally involved in our lives. He's our provider in every way, shape, and form, not just materially, not just by putting breath in our lungs, but providing for our spiritual needs, delivering us from sin, delivering us from addiction, giving us hope for the future, comforting us in our pain, just about everything we've talked about today. And uh, that ultimately, to me, is the story of Christmas. It isn't just about the baby and the manger and the fact that we have a Christmas tree and and hand out presents. It's it's this amazing story of a God who loves people like me, who truly don't deserve it, and yet he showed up and got personally involved in order to rescue me so that he could reveal that love to me and that we could have relationship together. It's it's astounding to me. It's breathtaking. Hmm. It's powerful words. Uh, Neil and you know John what's amazing when I listen to Neil talk and about God's sacrifice that he gave for us you know what strikes me is that God didn't have to do this he's God he's the creator of the universe he didn't have to do this he could have said ah you know what forget you guys I'll just wipe you off with a squeegee and be done with you so for him to offer himself in this way when he doesn't have to because he's all-powerful really does reveal the love that he has for his creation, us. Well said. And you, you guys uh, have really hit, been spot on, have hit the nail on the head many times uh, in this particular podcast. And, uh, you know, and, and you're right, Bob, he, he didn't have to do it, but, but he did. He, he loved us, and it, and it says that in Scripture, he loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross to take on our sins so that we would have a redemptive life thereafter and be able to spend eternity in heaven with him. And, and what, a, you know, that's really, that is, guys, the message of Christmas that sometimes we forget and we need to continue to put back into our world. That's so true. So true. Let's do this. We have just a couple of minutes left and we started out the podcast in a lighthearted way. And if it's okay with you guys, I'd kind of like to bookend this podcast with a little bit of a lighthearted ending if that's all right. Because, you know something, we worship the Lord, we celebrate him, we thank him for everything he's done, and joy is part of what he gives us as well, and the laughter that's part of that. So I've just been kind of wondering something through this whole hour, and as grossly inappropriate as this is, I'm just going to ask, is there (laughs) anybody, any of you guys that actually really buy and wrap Christmas gifts for the pets uh, I have never, I'll level with you, I've never understood this. I've never understood uh, the millions and millions and millions of dollars that's spent on uh, Christmas gifts for the pets. But that doesn't mean I'm not, you know, that doesn't mean I'm anti-animal, that anti-pet, anything like that. 
But I've just I've never got it. Okay, people say, "Oh, the dog," but he he loves getting his Christmas presents. He rips it open. You know what? He rips open the trash bag in July. It doesn't matter to him. <laughs> he, he, he oh, that feel, is not true, Bob. That he is doesn't not feel true. left out. No, oh, he doesn't feel true. left out if he doesn't have a wrapped present. Okay, as That's soon as he's done, he's going to go drink out of the toilet. He's not self-aware. <laughs> That's not true. Our, our, so we lost our dog a year ago. Oh, great. Now very, i got to feel bad. <laughs> she was very much a part of the family, and we used to get her just a couple of gifts through the year. And you say they don't know, but she would sniff the tree out every <sighs> single year, and she knew exactly. We'd get her two presents, stuffed animals. She knew exactly what two presents were her and at times try to open them prior to Christmas just like a little mm-hmm. kid would. So, yeah, they know. Okay, now hold on. If they know that, why don't they know that they're licking themselves in the middle of the living room when company's over, drinking out of the toilet, and sliding their rear end across the carpet? Why don't they know that, but they, they know about the Christmas present? Bob, don't knock it until you tried it, Bob. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe they do, or they just don't. That's care. right. Okay, that's well, right. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, I, that, I, I'll just... Yeah. I've got a... I've got a we, our dog Snickers, he's a Jack Russell, and he's now, he, in fact, has officially turned 15 years old, which means he's about 105 years old. Mm. And he's still got spunk. It's unbelievable. But he does the same thing. He, but, you know, as far as saying, like, this is inappropriate or that it doesn't matter, Bob, I rebuke you. I mean, before I was on board, but now it's a full-fledged rebuke. <laughs> don't, don't go Great. there, Bob. Yeah. Hey, hey oh. read in 2 uh, Samuel about Nathan and David and the guy who had the ewe lamb, who they treated like a child, sat at yeah. the dinner table, et cetera, et cetera. You are the man, Bob. That's all I can okay, say. Okay, but wait, 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 wait. Okay, second thing, hold on a second. Let me see the part here about where you got to wrap up a Christmas gift for them. T- oh, you know what? I, I don't have the NASB, so maybe that's yeah. where it is. There you go. Uh, that's in the Southern California translation. Oh, <laughs> okay, party on, dude. Uh, all right, I know. It's You know what? It's my Ebenezer moment, I suppose. I just, I've never... I've never understood the logic of John. You're the one who should be on my side with this. You're the one who should be saying, "Hey, come on, <laughs> logically, analytically, the dog is not self-aware. He doesn't I, know I any know. difference between the Christmas wrapping and the hefty bag around the trash." Oh, but they do. That is the oh, issue. God. And I and now I will say this: maybe different breeds are different when it comes to that. We've kind of always been the the lab family, and I've always had one kicking around, and you know, and they've become very much a part of the family. And and I and, and again, I used to think it was stupid. I would even say that. Like, why are we wrapping a dumb present for the dog? But to see the excitement of of her, you know, at Christmas time when she would get those presents and and just really kind of be a part of the family. I mean, the kids are opening presents. The dog's opening a present. She's a part of the family. They love her. She loves them. I mean, my 26 year old son last year when our when our dog died, I mean, he, she, we had to put her to sleep a year ago. And I will tell you to watch a a 26-year-old kid, you know, ball his eyes out. You know what? They're a part of the family. All right. Well, all we can do is hope that God will. Go. All we can do is hope that God will touch hearts and reveal to everyone else except me that they're wrong. So that's, <laughs> there all, you go. that's, that's all we can hope and pray for. <laughs> now, right. now, can I throw the, something in here just a moment? My yeah. sister is not a dog person. She has parakeets. She's had them ever since she was in middle school. She's 60 years old this year. Every year, one of my kids will invariably get her something and say, this is for your birds. The birds don't open the pet. They don't know the no, birds, I'm, I'm right? Guessing, they fall right. off the bird. But, but nonetheless, 
it warms her heart so much to know that they are caring right. for her because mm -hmm. the birds are so important to her. So I will, I will throw that out there saying, I have given her gifts for her to put in the cage before. But in terms of, we had a basset on for 16 years growing up, and he never got anything except maybe a, a milk bone with peanut butter on it just to shut him up. You know, we'd sit there because it'd take him hours to lick the peanut butter off the roof of his mouth. It was right. a great trick my dad had. I don't know if it's kind of very, he'd probably get, wow. you know, written up by the uh, ASPCA by now. But it, sometimes that howl would just go on in the middle of the night and we just wouldn't want to hear it. So he'd say, here, Boz, go ahead. His name was Boaz, by the way. Oh, and, wow. Uh, okay. Six, yeah, 16 years old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's All cool. Right. We get an, and then you need to get another dog named Ruth, and then that way the two of them. That's are, right. That's right. They would go to the field, other. and yeah, you know. The so a reminder here, Bob. That film was called Deck the Halls, the one about the guy lighting his. Deck you the said halls. Christmas vacation, but yeah, Deck the Halls is is the one. It's been confirmed right. here that. Uh, and so you watch that. I'll watch. It's a Wonderful Life. We have a deal. Okay, you got it. You get all the way through that. I'll get all the way through that. And then at some point, I'll see if I can at least get a little bit of a chuckle out of some part of Christmas story. I'll, I'll work on it. But anyway, there we go, folks. It is another uh, National Crawford Roundtable podcast uh, in the bank. And want to remind everybody uh, to, to, uh, to check us out, of course. And you know what? Listen, Go to Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast. We'd love you to do that. Give us five stars if you would. Uh, next week, of course, we're going to be dealing with New Year's and getting into the new year of 2020. And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver. Roger Marsh, the bottom line out of Southern California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco out of uh, Bob Duco Show in Detroit. Guys, great talking with you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Looking forward to catching up with you all next week. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas guys. We'll bet. You bet. We'll see everybody. God bless. Remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a biblical view of culture, current events, and politics. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production.